the settings are all wonky. See, this is what happens when we don't podcast. Oh, okay. And I'm still figuring out how to podcast. Aren't we all? <laughs> podcast i'm laura i'm jeff join us as we chat about our adventures in higher education with side chats about tacos dogs and other stuff let's start the show i actually was designing and i'm going to do a call for it uh do you remember the show from vh1 <sighs> behind the fucking <laughs> was behind the video behind yeah behind the music uh this is uh behind the podcast yeah. is, is my call is how do people do this i don't know i'm just figuring it out how'd you figure out to podcast I don't know. I just, I mean, there were far fewer podcasts back then. Right. And ways to do it, I guess. Yeah. So there, it wasn't, there wasn't really a guide. It was just, uh, how do I record audio and how do I get it online kind of thing. So there wasn't like a best practices or, and and really the only podcast then were technology podcasts for the most part. Right. And yeah, there was a guide because I bought it. Podcasting yeah. for Dummies. When was that first published? This is the third edition, so the first publication. Let's go. I believe it was in the 90s or early 2000s, but I'll double check. Maybe I should restate mine. That there was a guy. I just refused to read it. It's like when you buy um, anything from Ikea, who follows the directions? No. Yeah. I'm teaching other people how to do it, and I said, we just jimmy-rig things together, so now I need to have ideas. And I think the reason why I created this Behind the Podcast logo, I'm going to ask our podcasting friends how they do it on a blog post and do a curated, like, not my, I don't care about the professionals. I don't want to hear what fancy mic you have. I want my indie higher ed friends to say how they do it um, at their office, in their house, wherever they do it. Sure. Okay. Um, so, so I think the I think the best I think some of the okay I guess there's different genres of podcasts, right? Yeah. There's the people who just talk about random subjects. There's now these storytelling podcasts, right? Like serial. I and I guess there's always been around. If if you want to look at this American Life mm-hmm. as a podcast, but I guess that, that can be debatable because it was a it was radio, radio then made into it had a high podcast distribution. Right. And and but that spawns serial and these other things that became these storytelling, right? So I'm so if I leave those aside, okay. if you look at like the weekly, uh, the weekly podcasts that come out, I think some of the best ones are those that really, uh, they really do have like segment structures to them. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's like, it's not just two people randomly talking, which is where it's worse fine for probably sports podcasts mm-hmm. because that's all sports radio is anyway. But I think Sam Sanders does a great job of having uh, segments in his show. Ooh, who said that? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah. So he has, he has a mini game show called Who Said That? He has the best things of the week. He has the explain your week in three words. You know, and they're simple. And it doesn't require, like, tons of prep from his guest other than explain your week in three words. And, and he does a call segment where he calls, like, a normal person. Um, out in the world about what's happening typically like what's what's a story happening that no one knows about nationally because it's just a local 
shown because nationally the president's tweets like eats the news cycle. And so like he has these segments, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it still doesn't feel overly produced somehow though. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of time and effort and planning going on in the background. So, it feels like so, a conversation. Like, yeah. I, I think that's great. And, and I, I guess basically the whole, it all comes down to like, uh, there's a lot of work that should happen in the background that makes it seem seamless when you get to the recording. And that's exactly what we do here at Break Drink. Yeah, so we spend hours and hours behind the scenes. We used to, with Campus Tech, I think. Yeah, we really did. Um, yeah, uh, and, and, and even outside that, we had you know Google Docs with things we wanted to share, things we wanted to talk about. And, um, yeah. Um, it, and, and we would vary from that. So it wasn't like it was the same thing every week, but... Yeah, and it makes it more easier. And I think now that we're doing Break Drink and... I've been learning to podcast on my other podcast, the In Vino Fab one. Um, we do have segments and we have questions that we ask the same, the same questions we ask different guests, or we have shorter podcasts about one thing and it's 10 to 15 minutes. And you're right. It's more formatted, which it makes it easier for you as a host and producer than if you're organized and not just kind of like, hmm, what are we talking about today? Yeah, I agree. I, I think people who want a podcast don't realize the work that goes on behind it. It, right. And not just the show prep, but like, like recording it. I remember when we, cause we did campus tech connect live mm-hmm. and that was, uh, that was cool. And it would be like exciting to finish one, especially when we had an interview, like we interviewed someone and it mm-hmm. just went really well. It was fun. Like we hung out for an hour and we made jokes and we laughed and we made fun of technology products or <laughs> Google wave. <but> yeah. <laughs> Google wave. Um, Waving I was actually excited about Google Wave. I thought it was going to be something different than it turned out to be. Press uh, Jeems. Um, I digress. But even then, like, they're still like, oh, we got to edit this. And I think really that's where if we had if we had time, that's where our podcast could be, could be really good, right? Because we, mm-hmm. we take our, our hour conversation and I watch the best 30 minutes of this mm-hmm. and we edit it down to the, the, the highest quality of our hour together and that would probably be a, a really good show uh, versus we're going to talk for an hour we're going to snip some off of the ending and maybe where we dropped a call and had to reconnect and something off the end and we're just going to like that go, that goes out there like it takes like I think that there's a skill to editing that that can really like really ramp your show up Got a higher quality show. It's funny you say that because I'm also learning. I'm learning this for workshops I'm teaching, but I'm teaching in that technical course. I teach in person, um, and I was uh, going through this other book called Out on the Wire, and it's um, mainly this American Life friends uh, talking about how they produce story and editing's like a huge part. And I was reading um, Jessica Abel wrote this, but there was a reference to um, the Alex Bloomberg's talk at the Columbia Journalism School and he talks about like no one gives credits to the editors and I, I was like it's right and Sue Caulfield friend of the pod mm-hmm. and also totally great um, on this pod and I had her on the other podcast we just had a great conversation but no one realizes the length of time to edit a podcast like I'm not talking about one person talking I'm talking interactions or noises or dogs or yeah. things happen and yeah and making sure it's clean audio and it flows and it's tight and yeah, all that fun stuff. Yeah, and that's pro- that takes. Uh, I mean, a thirty 
to get a 30 minute podcast that might take two hours, right? To do it, to do it well. And it could take more than that, right? So the, you're, you're spending exponentially more time editing a show than doing a show. And I want to say I appreciate you, Jeff, because I realized that now that I edit the other podcast and had to figure it out. And I was like, how does he do this? And what does this do in Audacity? And I had no idea. I was like, wait, what service should I be streaming on? I don't know. Like, all the questions. I had all the questions for you. <laughs> and you were disappeared. It, so you're editing on um, Audacity? I edit on GarageBand and Audacity. I like GarageBand because I started using that first because I have yeah. um Apple system. But um, I've added a bit on Audacity to clean up because, you know, I record in two different streams when we yeah. we podcast through Skype. And I use this thing called Rogue Amoeba, which I use for interviews. And I um, learned that it's good that I have two streams of you and I because if, like, my dog barks, I can clean up that little yeah. Um, file versus um, yeah, but then I have to put them together so it's not like you're hearing me in one ear, you in the other. So making it yeah. mono. Yeah, so it's it's uh, I, you know I I started on Audacity. I don't know. We started this in '09. Mm-hmm. That's when we started recording, and so that's when I started doing Audacity because it, it was a free open source thing, and I did not have a Mac at that time. And I I I know there's new newer versions of it, but it looks and feels like it's a very old software. Like it's the same totally like functionality, but it still for what we're doing still works. And I know it does like a lot more than what we're doing too. If I want to, you know, fade out the intro music or put them into a mono channel together, right? That kind of stuff works uh, works fine. And then when I went started to use GarageBand, I felt I should because mm-hmm. it's a Free thing. Bill, mm-hmm. I did make the intro music on GarageBand. Uh, That's right. But but when I as I went to edit, like it did, it seemed like 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 it was going to take me a lot more work to learn a new thing, mm-hmm. and so I just like didn't want to. I didn't want to learn at, at that point. Like I, I didn't feel like my time was being being spent well uh, learning a new software. Where did where and why did you decide to host it? Because I know we used. Um, Everything from Google Plus Hangouts, which live, which is now YouTube Live, to Blog Talk Radio, to just hosting streaming. So, where did you first host our other podcasts? Like, on what hosting service? So we all went through Blog Talk Radio originally, which was like you would set up a time, like mm-hmm. we would set up. We're going to do this at seven p.m. And when seven p.m. came along, Blog Talk Radio turned on. Yeah, and it was out there, and people could listen to it live. There was a monthly charge for that, which I forgot it was. But, but how did I, you get that to iTunes? Because you have to host and, it on an RSS they would, feed. They would they would automatically RSS it out to iTunes. Okay. So like it, that was part of the service. Like it would automatically go to iTunes, and if you did your show art, it would show up. So and gotcha. The the original shows are still there. The Black Talk Radio uh, feed is still there. When we started this again last year, or whenever we started this, mm-hmm. I think that got rid of all the old feeds. So if you want to see all the old, old, the old, you know, four hundred shows that we did back in the day, you could go to Blog Talk Radio slash Breakdrink or whatever the the thing was, and 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 look at that. When we did, when we decided not to do the shows live that way, we wanted to do more video, and they mm-hmm. went through Google Hangouts at the time. Mm-hmm. I then, once we did Google Hangouts, 
I was able to download an audio version of that, I guess. Well, you can download the video and convert an MP4 to an MP3. Yeah, okay. So I did that. And then we did some editing because there was all that weirdness at the beginning, right? Of like, oh, are you on? Can you hear me? All that kind of stuff. I kind of edited that part of it out. And then I just uploaded it to Blog Talk Radio for a while. So that was still our distribution channel. It just wasn't a lot. It wasn't like a live show, we were able to upload it and send it out that way. And I did that with YouTube Live and maybe even a Zoom recording, and then I'd flip the audio into it, but it's not always as clean and clear because those streaming services aren't meant for great audio. So, yeah. um, but you're right, they were never edited to like, I'm, as I'm editing now, it's hard, Jeff. Yeah. So, so, so at the... At the um Yes. So I, and I would say like 85% of the time we used Block Talk Radio, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we never had any problems. But there are times because you're basically like Block Talk Radio is calling in from Skype also and you're mm-hmm. Skyping in. And some people will either call in or Skype in. And, and you really depends on everyone's quality connection to – is there going to be any sound issues? And mm-hmm. there'll be moments where, you know, someone would call from an elevator instead of a tunnel where it sounded like the internet was eating, like their phone was eating the internet. I was and, behind Niagara Falls once. What's your problem? Okay. <laughs> like, and, uh, and, and, and so the audio could get really, um, questionable at times. Um, and, and it was just like the, just, we stressed, stressed out the blog talk radio system. All right. Cause we had seven people on a line sure. uh, or, or whatever that was. So I, I think the way that we do it now would probably have better quality audio than the way we, we did it then. It's, we're it was, thinking about the audio. That's why. And we're yeah, editing yeah. it. I mean, it's far easier, right? Like we, we would call in, we would, we would talk a bit and it would go away. Um, but th- there's no editing in the middle. There's no mm. post production. And so, Whatever we do now is going to be more work, but it's going to have a better quality product at the end of it. Totes. Yeah. So I'm doing all this research, as you know, because um, so, I think you learn more when you have to teach it. So now I have to teach it in a class, in a workshop, at a pre-conference, and I might create an open guide. So I'm going to do a call for behind the podcast, asking like some simple tools, your services you use, where you host it. Um, and maybe a picture of your studio, quote unquote, which is probably your desk at your office or home or closet, whatever it is. And um, that's my I just want to get your insight on that, because I was like, man, there's so much besides the actual what do you want to talk about and content and artwork and all that other fun jazz stuff that comes along with that. And uh, later in this book, it talked about legal stuff that you can and can't do. And I think we're. We're skimming the line on that one. We're good. So, <laughs> I, I do. Uh, there, was, there was a guy. Um, oh, God, five by five, the mm-hmm. five by five podcast network, which I don't really listen to any of their podcasts, and I haven't for a while. They did like a podcast method or something like that mm. show, but like he built a studio, studio. Like he built a professional quality type podcast studio. Right. And, and like after the first show, it was like this is not like the hobbyist thing. These are like, right. Like, like Dan, Dan became a professional podcaster and he really understands audio and how to have different channels. And, um, he's going to invest in quality mics to to do all that. Like that is not for the hobby. Um, so, you know, you can buy 
a decent microphone for a hundred dollars now, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe even cheaper. I don't even know. I'm right now using um, iPhone, I, iPhone um, <laughs> earphones and the recorder. So I may sound horrible. No, you sound I, good because I don't have a microphone with me. Right. So like, even this can be fine. You can probably do a podcast on your phone recorder, quarter, and have fine quality. Not great, but fine quality. Yeah, and I think my goal is to introduce the idea of having a narrative and story and voice and the audio version of what you want to share in higher ed. And I put this out, and Bonnie Stahoviak, another friend of the pod, um, she's asked me or she volunteered me to this group that so I'm going to go do this talk and we're going to meet up at University of Houston their teaching learning conference so we sent um, kind of like what we're doing and we're not overlapping things but we're talking about how to use tools to tell story and share and involve others and so I sent her mine and I audaciously called it uh, pod safe higher ed (laughs) (laughs) and so it's kind of like my, my tongue-in-cheek, but maybe it's my, hey, Crooked, we'd be open to having a few of us rotating in uh, for you all talking about the changes in higher ed. Did, did I tell you I saw them live? You didn't. Tell me about yeah. that. So Wait, I knew you did, but you didn't. we didn't talk. Okay. So, friend of the show, Julissa Arce, and mm-hmm. friend of mine in real life, Second is a regular on podcast ever. So she's a re- yeah. So she's a regular, and she or she does the podcast. Um, Save the people. No, the conversations. There's a, they have like a conversation. So now they interview different people that aren't a part of the, their normal Pod Save America show. Mm-hmm. But she has been on the Pod Save America show before. So she, when they when they came to San Antonio, she got to be one of the, those on stage um, in the podcast. Nice. So I heard that it, was, one. it was it was fun. Like it was it was you know fun to see it live. I don't I don't I actually had stopped listening to the show on a regular basis. I listened to it periodically. I just I just had too much uh, really slanted political news mm-hmm. coming into my ears, and I just was not healthy. Mm-hmm. I needed to get a, get a break from that. So Totes. I think they do high quality stuff, and they're funny. They're entertaining. I just. Uh, was was having too much of that, but uh, yes, but I got I got to see the live show, cool, uh, and um, and my friend Julie Sarcia was on it, so I was super proud of her and her homecoming back to San Antonio as a I don't know pod star is that a thing? Yeah, maybe I don't know. And so, so yeah, that was really cool. But I don't go back to what you're saying though. I a lot of times, if anyone had ever talked to me about doing a podcast, they have a lot of technical questions, mm-hmm. which which is understandable. Because I probably still have technical, and, and not that I've mastered them by any means. I don't know. I just said this is how I did it. Mm-hmm. It's not the best way. It's just the only way I knew how without spending a lot hours of money, of time, yeah, or, or money figuring this out. But I always say like, so what are you going to talk? Like, what's your thing? Like, what are you going to do? And they don't always know, which is right. interesting because you think if they get to the point where you, they want to have a show, they would kind of have that part figured out. And so I, I think it's really interesting, like, like really know what it is you want to do. Like, what's my story? What's my narrative? What do you want to talk about? What's your thing? Yeah. And hopefully you, you can, like, like, sit down and, like, hopefully you can list, list out 50 different shows you want to do. Um, list out 20 different shows you want to do. If you can only list out five, then you're going to have a very short run podcast. 
and and which may be fine. Maybe yeah. maybe five is all you want to do. Is to get there's five pieces of audio you want to send out in the world, and that's what you want to do. But just um, just know like there's not always stuff just to talk about, and you need to have like a thread or theme of what you want to talk about before you get going about about trying to figure out what your show's going to be just before you start recording the show. I think that's some sound advice. And I um, was listening to the new Gimlet um, podcast called Casting Call Show. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I regret that someone of us, one of our friends, never pitched to them. But it's essentially a pitch show um, by your favorite podcast host, Jonathan Goldstein. That's great. And he's a host of The Heavyweight and other pods um, and storytelling stuff. You used to do The Wire, is that right? Yeah. On CBC? That's correct, on Canadian Broadcasting. And so he did a call back in April, and 6,000 people pitched podcasts. Jeez. And so him and his minions of interns listened. And honestly, like... Hearing about, um, you should just listen to some of the first few. Like, you don't have to listen to the whole thing, but they have, um, they narrowed it down to six finalists and then they chose three to come to Brooklyn to produce a pilot. So, we recently just listened to it this weekend and I, and listening to it, I just remember Fierker going, These are terrible ideas. And like, they're the ones that are on the three that are in are, are not, are pretty good actually as topics, but I, think I have friends and colleagues that could do better ones, to be honest, or have interesting perspectives and voices around them. And uh, yeah, the things they talked about is, you're not that funny. So if you and your friend are going to get together and talk about sports, whatever, and think you're funny, you're not. You need a dynamic host or someone who has interest in something. And everything Jeff said was right. Like, you need to have the, what's the thing you're going to talk about? And can you keep this going? And it's a lot of work, so think about that. I, I think I think sports uh, sports radio in general is like the bottom feeder of all radio. Like it's it's so. Oh, you're lucky. Lale's not here. He's, it's so hard. To, I I don't listen to it at all. I can't. I could listen to it all anymore. Even like the commercials are about you know some restaurant to go to, or it's about some strip club to go to, and it's. it's um, it's bad. Just this overinflated sense of masculinity, and the hosts don't. I, you realize that no one has to actually know about sports to have a sports show. Mm-mm. You just have to speak with bravado and confidence. To I, I don't know. It's 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 the worst. There's I, I, so I many podcasts they, with dudes is what they brought up. Um, sports yeah. is that. Actually, the most popular podcasts are churches putting their sermons, but I don't know how much editing they do. Um, but those are the biggest podcast producers or churches. Yeah, and, and early on because they, yeah. they they have content, right? Every week there's a new, there's a new thing. And um, I don't know of a church that does – there are churches I listen to the podcast sometimes, mm-hmm. and I don't think they do anything special for Editing. the online. The, yeah. Well, thanks, Jeff, for let me ask you a few of those questions as I'm still figuring out how to podcast. Point of information, I've been podcasting since, since 2010, so always be learning. I, I do like that people think I have some authority on podcasting in higher education just because <laughs> I started first, but it wasn't like I, I like really... Um, 
like broke new ground or um, like wrote a book about it or explored all these different methodologies about it. You're so modest. You're like the Alex Bloomberg of higher ed podcast and you won't admit it, but he was. So <laughs> I'm going to toot Jeff's horn because he's being too polite. But it's, um, it, it, it is a, a medium which I have thoroughly enjoyed for a while, and I, I like that it's I like this to be more popular. Those you can't really find the I guess I don't look for them like the the average people podcast anymore. Right, there's so many professional podcasts out there. Like they kind of really eat up the airwaves. Yeah, it's been it's a takeover, and I wonder how long this will be FCC free. Yeah. So there's a sports guy I listened to uh, a long time ago. His name mm-hmm. is Tony Kornheiser. He now has a show on ESPN with Michael Wilbon called, called Pardon the Interruption. And I started listening to it probably it's like a show? 20, 20 years ago. It was it, could, it was a radio show first. Oh, okay. So he, he, he was a writer for the Washington Post. This is long before PTI. He was okay. a writer for the Washington Post. But when ESPN radios first started and really started to like you know build their people, he had an ESPN radio show. And so that's when I started listening to him a long time ago on ESPN. The reason I liked him is because he, he seems smart, like like smart, funny, and not just talking about um, whatever the hot, hot takes were. He would talk about whatever's whatever's happening in the world, right? Like also, so it was it was more than just sports radio. It was self deprecating and it was it was funny. So he left <clears throat> after he did it a while. He left ESPN Radio. He had a local show. He did it was like a Monday night football uh, announcer for a while and he would like so during football season he did have a show, but he had one in the off season and he kinda did a few stations in the Washington DC area. So it was a local show but with a national following because he had been around for so long. Well then a couple of years ago, I guess now he's starting his second year, he was like, I'm not gonna do this show anymore. He started doing a podcast. So he was a traditional, I mean, he was a newspaper reporter first that then went into the radio business, I guess, or had a radio show anyway, and and then left all of that to do a podcast. Um, and it's his, own, it's his own, I guess he has like a, I don't know, at one point I thought there was like a production group that was supporting it, and I don't know if that's true anymore. It may just be his own people that he has has doing it. So there's so much more of that though. Like there's like more yeah. conglomerates of podcast groups and collectives and things like that. That yeah, the ra- I think some of the radio, the journalists, um, the news folks are deciding we're going to go there and create our own little thing. Yeah. So I guess that's cool, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. have to have like, a company support you, provide infrastructure or contracts to do it. You can just go and do it. He already had a large following, so the shift wasn't really difficult for him. But just a, it, you know, the democratization of content, right? Mm-hmm. If you're good and you can find a way to get heard, then you can be successful, whatever that means to you, whatever that means on podcasting. It's probably not monetarily. Uh, but but it's just weird to think like there was a time where people may have had like their their dream may have been to have a, their own show like either sports or political whatever mm-hmm. it is that you want to do and now it's like my seven year old could have his own show if he wanted to you know like anyone can have their own show now it's it's not he probably sad. does this is where Jeff announces the new yeah. <laughs> tease show no but you're right though because you're right podcasting gives more people voices 
But I also question that, and we said this about social media, and I, I was listening to a Team Human podcast conversation with Dana Boyd and, uh, was it uh, Rushkoff, uh, Douglas Rushkoff, and they were saying, sure, everyone has a voice in these spaces that are user-driven, like podcasting, mm-hmm. but the, the amplification of others' voices in this space are dominating, which I have a concern to, for because I think, you're right, you and I are did like the indie and, you know, just someone producing something in their wherever and coming up with ideas and having a good conversation or the the crux of the conversation or content was interesting and not highly produced uh, radio turned into this format. Yeah. So it's so it's interesting to see how that keeps evolving, right? Yeah. Like, is, is this all that evolves? Like, are there, are there going to be more, um, you know, uh, Gimlet opportunities for people to you know, be the next podcast star, right? Mm-hmm. It, maybe it's the same as music, right? Like, a part of being a successful musician, I feel, there's a lot of luck. It's not that you're necessarily better than all the other people trying to be professional musicians, but maybe it worked out for you and it didn't work out for other people. There's probably, you know, for every one successful person in the music industry or business, there's thousands that may have the, the same uh, um, talent that just didn't get discovered. Or their sound didn't fit, or what? For whatever. Right place, know. right time, yeah. Um, early and, on. Yeah. Yeah. There's all these shows now that are star makers, right? Right. And so maybe that's going to happen in the podcast world, right? Maybe people are out there and they're going to get discovered via the Alex Bloomberg. You should. Yeah, you'll like that casting call, and maybe think like, not that we're great um, producers or whatever, but we. I think we've learned all around the way. I was like, that'd be fun to host, like. Have oh, someone yeah. pitch you ideas and say, hey, I'd like to do the startup. And the neat thing about that one is for each one that pitched the program, producer went to their house and stayed with them or, you know, kind of was nurturing, working with them for the few months before. And I was like, that'd be fun. Here, yeah. come to, come to our, my, our house. Let's uh, work on your pod and talk about this. And yeah. Host to host. So they went to the house because that's, that's the studio. Like they went to their like home studio. And some, for some of them, they were interviewing people. Um, they were all going to come to Brooklyn, but they wanted them to build up their pilot. It was to develop their initial pilot before. Yeah. Yeah. So. Interesting. So remember when Sam Sanders left the NPR politics podcast and it was basically like, I'm like, he got, I guess, the blessing from NPR to go do a show. Mm-hmm. And it took a while before the show came out. So almost to the point like is this really going to happen at some point and 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 he had some demos I guess on on the NPR One app like you could go to NPR One and search for Sam's new thing and he would basically would be interviewing people like you didn't I didn't get a sense of what his show was going to be based off of that other than there were some people he would interview and ask for certain topics and certain questions okay and so so that was kind of interesting and then, and then when it came out, it was, I, I thought, a much better show than I expected. I thought it was going to be another interviewing show, and it became more than that. I enjoy it. We listen to it regularly since you introduced it to me a year and a bit ago. And I like we do. I listen to it, and I started listening to it out loud on our Sono speaker. And and Fierke's like, "Are you listening to that? Can I, can you turn it up? Because he likes it too. It's it's news, pop culture. It's what's happening now in different parts of." U.S. It's kind of it is an interesting take on things. It, it is um, my 
my Saturday morning routine is I make my family breakfast while I listen to it, and my wife gets to sleep in, and my son, my kids get to watch t- uh, cartoons, whatever on PBS Kids in the morning. So it's part of that. It's part of that routine. I. I, I can't lie. One of the reasons I love it so much is because Sam Sanders is from San Antonio, and he still love he's he loves it. He loves his hometown, and he will always like like talk about it on there. So that's always that's always fun. Well, thanks for indulging me in this podcast. This isn't um, the podcast talk about podcasting meta. Um, this yeah. isn't really what I need to talk about, but I knew you'd have some ideas. So this is helpful. So I appreciate it. So we'll, we're periodically going to be podcasting again, but just yeah. know that every podcast you can hear from us could always be the last. You just never know when life gets too busy. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. And we apologize. We Well, no, we don't. We took a break. That's fine. It's okay to take yeah. a break. We are called Break Drink. Yeah. Yeah. I needed, there was a time like late spring where my wife was going to class and I was teaching a class and... I forgot what's happening with my kids or whatever, but it was just like, I, I got it. Something's got to give. And this is the thing that, that was um, picked at that time in my life. So, Oh, I want to talk to you about that sometime, yeah. this online teaching, yeah. your experience at some point. Yes. Yes. Cause I'm doing face-to-face teaching this semester. So we'll definitely need to compare that. Sweet. And, and when you talk about all the, all the life events that happened in between there, for example, I both saw Hamilton and oh. bought a canoe. <gasps> I knew about the canoe, but I didn't know about Hamilton. What? Yes. Where'd you and you went to New York? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Okay. And yeah. how was it? Did you love? There's a lot of hype around it, right? So there's a lot of uh, is it really going to be as good as people say it is? That kind of thing. Like you might be disappointed. Like the time I saw my big fat Greek wedding. Like you don't want to have that kind of experience. But it was as good as it was. It was as advertised. It was phenomenal. Fun fact, uh, I got a new mic, my first mic I have ever bought because Jeff bought me my last one. Um, I still have the Snowball, and it's cheaper now, so point yeah, of interest. It's like 37 cents now. No, it's not. It's more. It's like 49 to 69, what you get. Um, oh, I climbed a glacier since we last talked. Nice. Yeah. I don't nice. think it should be legal to do that, but Iceland has no rules, so away you go. Pick with an ice pick. I, and I, I like how you didn't say you went to Iceland. You said, I climbed a glacier. well most people know that glaciers are protected things in parts of the world where glaciers exist um except for iceland i had no idea i've never experienced a glacier oh i wish we had a glacier here right now it's so hot still fall i i have no proper clothing to do glacier climbing no you would they they rent it out so you'd be fine okay. okay um yeah what else happened yeah it's been a few months I'm certain, there are, I'm certain there are other things. Those are just the two biggest. That's awesome. Well, until we meet again, uh, we'll we'll put together this edited podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, definitely uh, looking forward to chatting with y'all and hearing from y'all again. And we'll come up with a list of fun things to talk about because our podcast is about learning. Stuff. Stuff. People. I mean, I have a lot of like uh, like Spurs thoughts I have to like reflect on. It was a it was a turbulent off season for us. It was. Um, I, there's more tacos that have, have been consumed. <laughs> uh, you heard my dog growling in the back. So there's other rescue dog adventures we'll try try well, about. We have had two rescue dogs at our house since we last talked, mm. and uh, and uh, and a host a host of of other things. Sweet. Yes. Well, more to come, and way to scare them or want leave them wanting more. You don't know when yes. we'll be back. <laughs> all right, bye, friends. Ciao. For all the show notes, episodes, and more, go to breakdrink.com. 
You can get social and chat with us on Twitter and Instagram at BreakDrink. We always welcome love, questions, and more via email at BreakDrink at gmail.com. Tell us what you want to hear while you take a break with us. Stay tuned for our next episode of Break Drink by subscribing to us via Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating and review so others can find the pod. 